Hello everyone and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast where we coach you in the word. We are glad to have you as a part of our podcast. We want to welcome in new listeners from Texas, Minnesota, and of course our listeners from Arizona, West Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina. We're in eight states right now with recent downloads. And of course, we always want to welcome in uh, our international listeners from Germany, Chile, and Singapore. Um, We are glad to have you as a part of our podcast. Uh, Today we're going to enter into session five on operating in the God kind of faith. I think it will be interesting. We want to remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. If you have a question, a word of encouragement, or God may be laying us on your heart for something special involved with your ministry, we would love to have you contact us, and uh, we would love to be involved. And then I want to remind you of our book, I Surrender. It's in your bookstores and is available to you on Amazon. So, again, session five, operating in the God kind of faith, Um, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, and our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us. Reveal through the Holy Spirit what it is that you are saying that we need to know, understand, do, and demonstrate. And as you do, we will reveal it to your people. We will receive it, release it, and it will bless your people. And we know that that is a desire of your heart, Father. We thank you for the word. And we ask today that all that we do would bless you and be an honor to you. So we ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. Now, in our last session, session four, we described the plan and the process of faith. Today I want to take a bit and see how our faith worked and base this study on the faith that was used to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, Paul provides us the run-up, if you will, to the account of how we were saved. Then he provides us with the exact scripture that defines what the act was that led us into the knowledge that we, in fact, were saved. In this, we're going to find something very interesting, and it will involve, of course, faith. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, 
And you as he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Quickening is a very interesting word. It means to make alive. Now wait a minute. You are already alive. You are living. You had a physical body. You had a soul which had the ability to act upon what the mind was set upon. You already have emotions that told you how to feel concerning the sensory input that was applied to your physical being. You definitely had a will. It was a strong part of your soulish realm. And it would seek its own way and its own desires. But you were alive Although you were alive, you had to be made alive again because you were in a body that was closed with the death of the curse. This curse produced in your soul and from your body the trespasses and sins that Paul speaks of in verse 1. Because of these, both your spirit and your soul were separated from God. Now you cannot see these. You can't see the spirit. And you do not see the soul, but you know that they are there. You're aware of them. Particularly your soul, and and you do nothing in the arena of the curse or in the arena of the spirit that does not disseminate and resonate from the soul. Your spirit, when disconnected from God and living outside of the intended uh, engagement of the image of us that we saw in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, has no say in how the soul pursues outward life. It becomes muted because it's dead. The soul is the avenue that the lost are using to make the navigational decisions that are so very important in their daily lives. So here is how the soul does its thing. If it feels good, if it satisfies me, if it gets me what I want, if it meets my needs, if it's good to my eye, And so on we go. The soul is concerned only with being and having the things that satisfy the mind, will, and emotion. And of course, those things agree even if momentarily with the physical side. Then we hear about Jesus. Here is the external word. We hear something from the external Jesus then said the Holy Spirit would go into operation. Now we might have heard that from a witness or from someone testifying or for someone from someone sharing the scripture, sharing their personal testimony. But Jesus said that this activates the Holy Spirit. And he begins to tell how the Holy Spirit would do his work. 
John 16 says, verse 8, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, but of sin, because they believe not on me. So reprove means to admonish, convict, convince, tell a fault, or rebuke. The Holy Spirit then, now get how I'm going to state this, he walks up to you. And he begins to get into you for not knowing Jesus. He begins to lay out his case for Jesus. He shows you your sins and is warning you concerning the penalty that is to come if you persist following and doing these acts. He tells you of the specific faults that seem to identify you with the world. Now, you and him in this encounter are speaking and you begin to accept his rebuke and you shake his hand. He prays for you and you can see that he's praying a very graceful prayer. You listen intently and at the last express to him that you have heard and believed in what he has done. Well, he hugs you and tells you that you're saved, turns and walks away. You leave his presence and begin to live for Jesus. Is this really the legitimate representation of what is happening when someone gets saved? That they're in a physical encounter with the Holy Spirit? Of course not. None of the work of the new birth is done with respect to the external world. It's all done internally. Now, the external world is going to show that it has been done. Paul told us that in Galatians 5. But the work that has been done has been done internally. Verse 2. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So were we literally walking in the company of the prince of the power of the air and the demonic? Did we actually see him? Did we converse with him? Of course not. The language here is a representation of what was going on inside of you. Paul defines this when he says the spirit, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. My friends, this is a spiritual observation. These are spiritual acts. They're acts that come from the freedom of the soul. Because whatever seems to satisfy the lust of the flesh, I and the pride of life, were the things that man seemed to want to pursue. Verse 3, Among whom also we had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Everything we portrayed in the outer world, everything we said and everything we sought were related to the soul's deepest desires. We're related to the soul's deepest desires. This placed us in a position of opposition to God and in agreement with the representative of the evil empire. Verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Well, love came for us. 
mercy was expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit began to operate in reproof to show you your sins and your trespasses. And he began to do a work in you. Look at verse 5. He was doing this work even when you were dead in sins because it's at that moment that he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. He quickened us out of the bondage of sin and trespasses. Together with Christ, we were delivered out of the hands of the devil. By grace are you saved. Due to the work of the Holy Spirit, as we've described from John 16, we were shown the condition of our spirit man. We were dead inside. Sin had ravaged the spirit that was made in the image of us. Then the Holy Spirit completed a work that had also been completed upon Jesus Christ. In the inner man, grace had been exposed through the work of the Holy Spirit to reprove or convict and convince you of your spiritual condition. Where is this happening? Is it happening on the outside? No, no. It's happening on the inside. When you saw yourself in spiritual terms as a sinner, then grace was applied. When grace became available for you to be saved, which came into fruition at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's what Paul is saying here when he says, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. We're talking about a work that has been rendered to man after or because of the resurrection. And we are delivered from the world of trespass and sin just as Christ was. You then had the light of truth and the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they were formed in you. Light of grace and the evidence of the quickening that occurred in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It formed in you. These two immutable works not operating in your soul were ready for the next important ingredient to take place. These two immutable works now operating in your soul were ready for the next important ingredient to take hold. The light of grace and the evidence of the resurrection of the quickening of Christ have been brought together and formed in you by the work of the Holy Spirit. Waiting now for the next ingredient to take hold. And have raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now watch. When we applied the ingredient that would take hold of the work of the Holy Spirit through the activities of Jesus Christ, we would be translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. We would be raised from the bondage of sin with Christ. We would be made to sit with Him in heavenly places. We would be viewed in the heavenly economy as having come through the gateway of Jesus Christ. Thereby, 
we would be considered to be in Him. What a glorious moment that is. Verse 7, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Grace would continue to work and be a means of spiritual riches because God desired to show us His nature and His character through the kingdom of His dear Son. From the kingdom of Jesus' life would be the permanent condition of those who came through the gift of grace and the measure of the gift of Jesus Christ as He was given over to the ravages of sin, descending to hell and was then resurrected by the same Spirit that has and is resurrecting you. Light and illumination would permanently be attached to grace. From these would flow the other descriptors that John used in John 1 to describe Jesus Christ. Salvation would flow. Grace, the light of grace, would interact with salvation. It would there serve to deliver you. The evidence would be deliverance. The evidence would be safety. The evidence would be preservation. The evidence would be healing. The evidence would be soundness. And the evidence would be wholeness. Then that same grace would interact with glory. And that glory would bring about in you long-suffering. It would bring about you mercy. It would bring about you a sense of graciousness. All of the things that glory entails. Then it would bring about you a uh, expanse of grace. So that all of the promises of God would become yea and amen through that grace. The light of grace would operate grace and grace says to you. Then he would operate out of this same light and illumination a coordinated effect of grace that would bring truth, absolute truth, absolute understanding, absolute ability to know the divine revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Light and grace would continue to operate in coordination with these works of Jesus Christ throughout the life of every believer who would learn to operate in them. They would produce for you the kindness of God that are exposed in the riches of His grace. For they all come through the same channel, Jesus Christ, Him resurrected from the dead, grace made available unto every man. This is great, my friends, but something here in this equation is missing. In this internal spiritual work, something is missing. 
And we find that something in verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Well, here it is. We have seen the light of grace and the evidence of the resurrection, and your being placed in a coordinated event with Christ, who has been resurrected from the dead, and therefore, by grace are you saved. Now we see how grace and the opportunity for the understanding of grace, coordinating with this resurrected life, has to have something applied to it. Now it's formed in you. This has been formed in you. This grace of resurrection, the light of it, the Holy Ghost has formed it in you. Faith has become, has the substance, the light of grace, and the evidence, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is spiritual in nature. Seeing this in the inner man and this being produced into our soulish area, mind, will, and emotions, the person who has been given the gift of faith now begins to use that faith in coordination with grace and applies what the person has been given as a gift of God into this equation. Now watch. Grace works with light. They coordinate to form inside of you. This formation now is provided for the application of faith. It is at this point that you have the ability as the hearer to reject what the Holy Ghost has done or to accept it. But faith, which is what you as the man, the hearer, must apply in order to activate the light, which is grace, which has been shown to be operating in your spirit and your soul, and the evidence, which is what Jesus did by being delivered and resurrected, when faith then is applied or appropriated, it serves in the spirit and the soul just as Picture this, gasoline serves to create an ignition of fire that starts and runs and operates a combustible engine. The fuel applied, which is faith, ignites the substance and the evidence and the function is completed. In the process of being saved, the person becomes blood-washed because of what Jesus shed at Calvary. He becomes cleansed because of what Jesus left off of the flesh in the tomb. And he becomes made to be made acceptable to be seated in heavenly places. The work of the Holy Spirit is just that sudden and that complete. Why is that? Because it is, now listen carefully, 
it is both God's will that you be saved and it is his timing that has made this presentation in and to the heart of the hearer. The act is immediate. Here is the key. See how faith works. It's the single most important event that any member of the community of mankind can ever consider completing. Faith activates the light of grace, grace coupling in you with the act of Jesus Christ for the resurrection from the dead. Faith becomes the combustible action and it's always going to take effect because it matches the two variables. The will of God is that every man be saved and the timing of God is that as reproof, conviction, and convincing occurs, you have the opportunity at that moment to receive or reject. What are the variables that have been brought into this equation that caused this instantaneous effect? Well, of course, they're the will of God and the timing of God to produce the work of the Holy Spirit upon the spirit of man and then into the soul of man. Now, why would we think that any act that involves the application of faith will not follow this internal activity. The method of operation has been laid out for us. Certainly there is an external stimulus. In most cases that involves someone who shares the gospel. Certainly this external stimulus must be used by the Holy Ghost to begin the work of reproof. However, in the scheme of reproof, the external stimulus is far less important than the internal reaction that's be, that is begun by the work of the Holy Spirit. Once the activity begins, everything that faith attaches to will be produced internally. Now why is that? Look at verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The coordination of light, grace, and faith are internal so that no man can consider the actions as being manipulated by another man. Remember, what man has and has been has been firmly ingratiated in the mind of flesh. It could be viewed as an external work that man would boast and man would take credit for as if he had done something for others. God did not leave the door open for such responses by man. He knew what man was capable of, so when he did this miraculous act, he did it by his tools right down to the final ingredient. Faith would be a gift that man could use to activate the light of grace and the activity 
of what Jesus has done, either in salvation, either in glory, either in grace or in truth, that produce in him the promises of God. And they are made to be an internal production that faith attaches to, brings out of the spirit through the soul, and speaks it into actualization as a material manifestation. How do we know that? Because when we got saved, we begin to operate in a different fruit, and it begin to manifest in a different way. All of a sudden, we quit being the old angry mean person and became the person of love and joy and peace. In Ephesians 2, light and grace are forming the opportunity for man to be saved. It's all happening on the inside of you. The link is that once these are formed, faith that appropriates what has been formed in the person, this is how faith operates in every situation. It must be the light of grace and the substance of the promises that are in Christ Jesus being formed in your inner man, then being transferred to your soul subsequently manifesting in the material world. So what's being formed in you that has spiritual implication? What's being formed in you that is the will of God specifically for you? What's being formed in you that has been matured by time? Once you recognize the answers to these questions, my friend, you can expect a harvest and a manifestation. If the things you are attempting to apply by using faith does not find itself in these spiritual applications, you're attempting to use the gift of faith fraudulently. You're attempting to consume the riches of grace based upon your own lust, and I want to bear in mind here, these riches of God's grace are from His kindness. They are for you. They are meant for you. They are given to you by the kindness of God. You just have to learn how to get into them and then appropriate them correctly and effectively. Well, for those who have not, they are attempting to do what they're doing by faith to consume it upon the riches, the, the, the riches of His grace based upon your own lust. The outcome, as we previously stated, is often devastating and can even lead the individual to spiritual shipwreck. Now lastly on this issue, there is one more thing that I want you to understand. There is no such thing of a lack of faith. Huh? There's no such thing as a lack of faith. Faith is a gift of God. There's no such thing as a lack of faith. There's no such thing in you as a lack of power. There's no such thing. How could that be? How come we have to, we're constantly asking for more faith and more power? Let me explain. Your power source does not come to you, it lives in you. Your faith source does not come to you, it lives in you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. What is the Word of God? Where is the Word? Where is that Word? That Word is in you. 
That word is bringing divine revelation out of you. That word is taking every step with you. That word is moving as you move. That word is saying what you're saying. Everything about you is being moved by the man that is living in you. There is no such thing as a lack of faith. But when faith is attempting to be used fraudulently, that faith is not the faith of God. If we incorrectly apply faith, the outcome will not bring the things we desire unless we're willing to expose ourselves to the consequences and repercussions, such things as debt and other things that are attached to the outcome of our own desires. Many people have gone down the road of financial ruin because they could not earn enough to keep up with their desires. Some will tell you that you need to give more money. And God, because of your giving, will see your face. <laughs> really? Really? So how much did you give to pay for your salvation? I want you to answer that question. How much did you lay on the table in dollars and cents to pay for your salvation? No, no, my friend. As we have seen it, salvation is an act where faith attaches itself to something that's done on the inside. If we rely on the Western model of faith teaching that compels us into extra giving and attempting to buy God, we're really, now listen, building an order of money upon which our new idol is being placed. That new idol that is in kind, that idol of a car, a house, a job, a husband, that new idol, that's what we're doing. Your faith only lacks appropriate teaching on how to use and appropriate the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith was activated to bless you and to provide for you. He desires that you have and that you use faith or he would have never appropriated the gift of faith to be used when the light of grace and the evidence of what Jesus has done in his life and from his promises for you to have. He would have never done that to begin with. This God kind of faith belongs to you, but you will need to relearn how to use faith correctly. When you do, new worlds of spiritual insight, concepts, and ideas will be available for your spiritual intelligence. You will watch faith work in you, and you will look for it in you. You will see it forming and know the exact moment when it's ready for you to appropriate your faith. The blessings will come out of you as rivers of living water that will exceed the things of which you even were able to think about concerning what you were asking. Your ability to give, be a servant, to minister will increase and you'll begin to bless others from the overflow of what was formed in you and what you released your faith to receive. No longer will you wait and wonder. No longer will desires of the flesh become your idol. You will pray, look, listen, and expect as your blessing is formed in you. It is waiting to be released out of you.
but you must become spiritually intelligent concerning the proper use of the God kind of faith. Father, I pray that you'll bless your word today, that you'll minister through your word and open our eyes so that faith can become a dominating tool as we apply our faith to what your spirit is forming in us. Just as we use faith to apply to the salvation, the saving grace of God that was formed in us, may we learn through this teaching how to use our faith to connect the light of grace and the promises of your dear Son formed in us and then by faith manifested through us. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Find Jesus Christ as Lord, friend. If you find him as Lord, everything that has a name will be under his lordship. But if you find him as the man in the Godhead, he will speak to you through the Holy Spirit, and he will show you wonderful things to come. May God bless you is my prayer until we speak again.